Welcome to the Path to Partnership podcast. Hear from partners of global, national, and boutique firms as they share their journey of becoming a partner. I'm your host, Steve Cole, and this series is brought to you by Signature Consulting. Welcome to another episode of the Path to Partnership podcast, a podcast where I, Steve Cole, get to sit down with partners and directors of professional services firms about their individual journey to becoming a partner and what it takes to get there, but also how to build and sustain a successful practice. Today, my guest is Bob Bell, Managing Partner of PKF Sydney. Welcome, Bob, and thank you for agreeing to do the Path to Partnership podcast today. Thank you for having me. So today's podcast has a slight twist. It's really path to managing partner. So let's get stuck into it. As always, I'll begin at the beginning. Bob, why accounting? Who or what got you interested in it? I was fortunate to have an affinity with numbers and words um, straight from my father, who was very good at such things. And when I left school, I actually went into the public service because dad thought that uh, uh, it was a very strong place to be, very safe. And I started my degree in public administration. Ah, okay. Um, but uh, after uh, a couple of years, uh, I had knocked back a cadetship at Pete Marwick Mitchell, one of the big firms at the time, which quite shocked the staff partner at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but after a couple of years, uh, you know, I was working, studying with guys who were in accounting and I yep. and, uh, had an opportunity to move to an accounting firm. So uh, that was my start in 1981. Fantastic. And so tell me about those early days of your career from the first time you joined an accounting firm and then that journey to manager, senior manager? Interesting journey. Uh, I started in a very small firm that was mainly insolvency based uh-huh. and uh, there was probably only about uh, eight of us there at the time. Yeah, uh, I knew very, very little, uh, some would say nothing about the game. <laughs> it was a bit of a shock coming into it, learnt very quickly. Uh, that firm merged with another firm and got a bit bigger. It demerged with that firm, got a bit smaller. It merged with a bigger firm in 1986, um, which was what was Panel Kerr Foster in the old days, uh, which was a larger firm. Um, at, and at that stage, I got to the manager stage yeah. and was married with a kid. Um, we saw that that firm was uh, going to have problems. It had uh, grown by merger quite rapidly yep. and um, wasn't looking positive. And uh, one of the girls I worked with, uh, Judy Starr, who was the sister of one of the partners uh, decided to go out on her own and uh, I went with her. So wow. we started Star and Bell in uh, 1988. Yes. Wow. Okay. So I actually went from there to partner uh, in a rather a hurry. Yeah, absolutely. So even back then, what, what were the challenges from being a manager to all of a sudden a partner? Because you've gone from managing staff and reviewing work. What about then becoming a business owner literally overnight? Scary, um, <laughs> very scary when you have a, a small fee base. Yeah. Uh, at that stage, I think there were four of us. There was myself and Judy, and um, we had two staff to help us in our 20 uh, KB hard drive to, yeah, to run wow. the practice. Um, so very much we were, there wasn't much to manage as far as staff were concerned when we moved out of that environment. Yeah. So we really built our own practice and, over time, we managed to get to a size where we could employ people. And then employing as a business owner was interesting because I was still very hands-on, yeah. so still very much a manager role also, but then you're developing people to come up beneath you and try to create the, the succession in the next generation, basically. Yeah, wow. Okay. And so in those early days at Star and Bell, 
How, did you have people around you that you'd see as mentors, you know, from a, from a, you know, career perspective, from a business development perspective, were they internal, were they an external? Mainly external. Yeah. Um, although people I'd, I'd worked with before and people that we'd uh, encountered over the uh, the 10 years that I'd been practicing or been in the game, um, particularly in the insolvency world, you work a lot with lawyers, work a lot with bankers, you work a lot with brokers. So a lot of people who are in the mix of being able to refer work, yeah. apart from your, your friends, your family, all those people who um, – Oh, okay. You're an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> Can you do this? Yeah. So it was working within that network, which was a very good sharing forum. Yeah. Uh, enabled us to build a reasonable base fairly yeah. quickly. Yeah. Fantastic. And and from when did what happened with Star and Bell? What? How did that sort of grow? And how, where did when did the, did they merge with? Lord no. Apartments? So so we got to a stage where. Judy and I decided we were a bit different and we had different ideas okay. about how to go forward. Um, and, uh, so I then moved on to a firm called Court and Co, which is now Nexia. Yep. And, um, joined that firm, which was a, a, a mid-tier firm of itself. Yeah. Uh, spent a few years there. I'd, uh, worked with John Virus for many years. Uh, and then John and I decided to go and set up Virus and Bell yes. in 1997. Yep. So John was a liquidator. And, uh, we set that practice up, I think, again, with, uh, about eight people, uh, in 1997. Uh, we knew of Lawler Partners, who is now the PKF yeah. I'm in today, um, from various people who had worked there over the years. And we had spoken to them a couple of times about joining their Sydney office. And, um, in 2006, we decided to do that. So, the eight people had become 24, I think, by then. Yeah. And then I think Lawler's had 30 in Sydney. So we ended up uh, having a firm of 54 yeah, wow. in Sydney on top of the 110, I think, in Newcastle. Yeah. And we're in a bigger firm again. Yeah. And so what was the uh, the initial attraction of doing that merger? Get to a size where you're too big and not big enough. Yep. Uh, it's very hard to manage when you're um, trying to do Pretty much everything still when it's a 24 person firm. Uh, we'd put on a, a practice manager, uh, who was doing a fantastic job for us, but it still put a lot of pressure on everyone to get things done. The option was there, uh, and we took it. And we also knew that as a practice, we could learn a lot from working with another firm. Yeah. And, uh, the, the Lawler firm was very, uh, organized, very systematized. And had done things, you know, we couldn't do as a small firm. So it was a good opportunity to come learn some more and develop ourselves. Wow. Okay. So, so tell me about the Lawley years before it became PKF. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting years. Um, so Terry Lawler was a, and he's a, a, a very, um, big figure yes. in the Hunter. Yes. And he had set up uh, his firm in 1977. Uh, the firm absolutely entrenched in Newcastle yeah. and they, uh, as I say, had over a hundred people. They covered wealth. They covered insolvency. They covered business services. They covered audit. Um, a very wide ranging firm. Terry, um, had started building the Sydney firm and, you know, very much wanted a Sydney presence and then wanted a, an, a national presence. Yeah. So 
we learnt as lot as I say systems wise and how we did things in uh, in Sydney from the Newcastle people. I think we taught them a few things too. And um, over the years, we worked together quite closely. Had one team events where we went out together, we learned together, and the firm grew. Um, part of Terry's vision was that national firm, and so we brought on a firm, um, an associate firm, yep. in Brisbane, one in Melbourne. Um, until uh, PKF approached us, uh, I think it was 2011, and um, they'd lost their firm in Sydney, yes. Eastern Seaboard. So uh, we became PKF Lawler before we then just, um, we didn't drop Terry, but we <laughs> <laughs> we followed the requirements of the PKF International uh, yeah. Protocol and became PKF. Yeah. And so as a partner at PKF, when was the opportunity to become managing partner? When did that come about for you? Only recently. Yep. So I led our business services team uh, for many years, and that was uh, pretty much the biggest unit in Sydney at the time. And the managing partner, Steve Main, was in Newcastle, <laughs> and he also um, had a lot of activity in the national PKF group, and he was not in Sydney often, obviously, because he had other things to do. So myself and one or two others did a lot of work in, in effectively managing the Sydney side of the practice. And so we got heavily involved in how the place ran and how things happened. And we had a restructure in 2016. A mm -hmm. um, few things weren't going in the right direction. So Steve and I did a lot of work to come up with a a new plan as to yep. how we might structure, and we did that. Um, so always stayed heavily involved, and um, a couple of years ago, uh, the opportunity came for Steve to take on the chairmanship of Pick Up Australia, and so he decided then that he um, planned to step down as managing partner. And so that uh, role became available. Um, as a firm, we were fairly keen to have a Sydney managing partner yep. because we'd never have one. Uh, and to have that bit of a presence. And um, I put my hand up and um, not many others did. I, I don't think I stepped backwards at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so in the end um, I uh, I took on the role uh, in uh, 1st of March last year. Wow, okay. And and was that what was that process like? Was it a, a process where other partners voted you in as managing partner or because it was a brand-new role? It, it kind of evolved into that. Uh, no, it was, it was a process. Uh, Steve set out a, an excellent process of over about 18 months um, and started to see, okay, who was interested in the role and started to have discussions with them um, and then started taking us through how the, the role works. Yeah, okay. So every quarter there was a discussion and a bit of an update about what he does, when he does it, what matters, what doesn't, etc. And over time... Um, say others dropped away, so I became the, the last man standing, basically. Yeah, okay. And um, so, and then Steve actually brought forward his retirement yep. as managing partner when we thought well, we've got this pretty much down pat. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a very, a very detailed and uh, steep learning curve. Yeah. Uh, because you, you know, a lot of things happen, and you think, well, that just happens, but no, it doesn't. Yeah. There's a lot of planning and a lot of work goes into making it happen. Yeah. Great. Okay. Now, um. You mentioned before that you began your career in insolvency and then you've mentioned- all With an insolvency firm. With an insolvency firm. <laughs> yeah. So so were you doing business advisory 
for those clients? So the the firm had business advisory clients, yep. but in those days, if there was an insolvency job, every man in the office was on an insolvency yes. job because it paid better. Yeah. So, <laughs> and uh, a lot of the clients had been firms who'd been through dramas yes. and then come out the other side and become business services clients. Yeah. So, yeah, I um, I learned a lot from going out on sites, going out to uh, to visit, to see what happens in an insolvency. Yeah. Um, learned that I didn't want to spend my life in it <laughs> because yeah. it's a very different field. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, very, very good training. Yeah, I can imagine. And, you know, that's, that's why I wanted to go back to it because um, obviously in this day, in present day, that's quite segregated from the rest of the business, whereas you got to see sort of both sides. Yes. Um, so from the early part of your career, setting up the firms that you have, what, what, what was the importance of mentors in your career from a, you know, an external perspective and, you know, maybe even an internal perspective, like your fellow partners, how important were they, did, how important part did they play? When I look back, they were very important. We weren't in the day very big on um, structured mentoring. Yes. As you would have these days. Yes. Pretty much um, just work, keep working and talk to everyone and learn as you go. Yeah. But, um, you know, John Burris, as I mentioned, and I worked closely for many, many years, and uh, taught me a lot. Um, John Starr and Martin Green, the first bosses um, yeah, and of legends of insolvency. Yeah, absolutely. Taught me a lot. Some of it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Martin might listen. They were brilliant men and, and, yeah. and great to, to learn from. Uh, and, yeah, as I came, and you learn so much from your clients. Yes, okay. Because once you start to get involved in your clients, and I've got two clients now, very successful businesses that were uh, insolvencies in 1986. Wow. So these guys who have stayed with us all this time and who have taken on the learnings of an insolvency yeah. to change the way they do things to get better and being able to work with them, get their feedback, see what they do right and wrong is, is absolutely wonderful learning. And and I make a habit of making sure I, I, I visit them and yeah. um, we we get, and the good thing is one's one of them's in Cowra, one's in Brisbane, so yeah. we go and have a trip, we catch up yeah. and, and talk about things. And now the the new regime coming through my business, I take them with me and yep. and uh, the, learn so much from, from hearing what they do and, and the realities of business, of, of employing people, of getting stock, of selling stock, of dealing with customers, of the, getting your premises of the things that go wrong. It uh, teaches you a lot about business. And also just on that, uh, you know, I get told a lot that actually knowing the clients personally to continue and to build a sustainable practice is so important. Like, you know, knowing the family, knowing them personally, almost, you know, friend, that friend-like relationship. Exactly. And and it's, it's a fine line. I, I know there's a, a firm around where it's a KPI of staff to get invited to their uh, clients' children's weddings. Yeah, I'm not, wow. sure, I'm not sure about that. No. <laughs> 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 However, having that that personal relationship um, that is at a level where it's not so much that the clients say, I'm not happy with this yeah. and have that proper discussion 
and have that separation where, and we can say the same to them at times. Of course. But, uh, just to be able to have the proper discussion and, and make sure it's a, it's a business relationship. Yes. But certainly understanding each other and particularly when you're bringing new people through with the clients and saying, you know, here's how this person operates. Here's yeah. what, how you have to understand yeah. how they operate because, um, they'll get eaten alive by, yeah. by clients if they don't, yeah. uh, take their time to understand. And so when you were, when you set out with, with, with Star and Bell, how did you build a client base at that point in your career? How did, what did you do to get out there and find clients and build your fee base? Really, it's probably a bit of the old fashioned way yeah. where we, we would go to uh, the opening of an envelope. Yeah. Go, go to yep. any event there was. We'd uh, be in touch with the people that we knew could refer us work. We let everyone we knew know that we were looking for work. Yeah. And just being active and being hungry. Yeah. Um, without being overbearing. Um, you know, we'd never demanded any work from anyone, but we just let them know that we're out there doing yeah. things and just tried to do the best we could. The fact that we were able to provide very personal service at the time yep. was a great advantage. We weren't delegating to anyone. They were getting us and, and you know, we were working very, very hard, but it, um, it built and built and, um, then you get to a level where we can have those people under you and you can start to get out a bit more and being able to delegate that work to them, teach them. So then you're just using the information you're getting to go and help clients. Yeah. Then build the services you provide. Yeah. And look, you know, it, it's funny when, when you look at the present day, that activity level is still hasn't changed that, that ability to get out there and get your brand out there or get your name out there. There's obviously different platforms to build your brands. You know, you've got social media, LinkedIn, all that sort of stuff. And, and I think quite a few people use their sort of writing skills to, you know, to write for, um, uh, professional bodies and, you know, tax papers and all that sort of stuff. But it does feel like the good old fashioned getting out there and meeting people face to face is probably still one of the most successful ways of, of building business. Absolutely. And it's uh, for the young ones coming through today, they're in such a bigger firm and in such a bigger network of people and they've come up through their own networks. It's, it's a, a much easier access to people to be able to start the process. Very hard for them because without that, they come up and say, how do we do? I don't know how to do that. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. you do. You just got to be you. Yeah. And the worst thing you do is try to be someone else. Yes. And the fact that we can bring them into our clients and they can start to make relationships or they can start to make relationships with the clients, children who will often be coming into the business or starting their own, um, you know, with other parts of the family, with other business associates of our clients. So bring them into the fold and um, just try and get them to understand that being personal and as I always say to them, the greatest marketing you can do is do the job on time accurately for the agreed price. Yep. If you do that, they'll come back and they'll bring other people. Yep. Yeah, good advice. Really good advice. Um, now, going back to you becoming managing partner of of, of of PKF, how did how did your day to day role change when that happened? The plan was that I'd go from being probably two thirds clients, one third management in a business unit leading role, yeah. to being two thirds management, 
management and then one third still on client work because they still needed to work with their clients and keep that part going. Um, I think that's become two thirds, two thirds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not an accountant, Bob. That isn't, that isn't quite fair. <laughs> so the, 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 the handover from doing client work yeah. to not doing client work is difficult on many fronts and, and plus I love it. You, I was going to say, <laughs> if it was the most difficult, you letting go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have a couple of partners that have come up underneath the, to take on my fee base and, you know, they're, they're young and learning. Yes. So I'm spending time with them. Plus there's been a lot of activity in my clients. Yep. So I've had a fair bit to do there. And, uh, Steve Main said to me when I took over, he said, it will take you three years to get the hang of it. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so I'm halfway through and he's probably right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so two thirds of the, the, the managing part party is very structured in many ways. Yeah. Cause there's meeting processes. There's, there's various things to follow that are just in the diary and yep. you just work towards those each month, each quarter to get those done. But there's also the things that arise where you go, oh, now what do I do? Yeah. And uh, fortunately I've got a good network to talk to about yeah, what they would do. And, and you know, going back to obviously working with Steve when you were formulating the role and talking about the role, what did you personally have to work on or potentially upskill for you to, you know, for, for, for the transition to managing partner to be smoother? Uh, really getting a better knowledge of the Newcastle office because yep. whilst we work closely together, I'm not up there, hadn't been up there a lot, um, and don't know the people like we do in Sydney. So Tony Doyle's our COO now who started with us at Riverson Bell. Um, Tony's knows the business inside yeah, yeah. out. Um, and he is a great help in dealing with people and knowing people and understanding what's happening on the ground. So Tony and I go to Newcastle uh, once a month. Yep. We go up there on early on Wednesday morning, spend the day, have dinner with someone there, come back on, on Thursday, and that's invaluable for knowing what's going on in Newcastle. Understanding the relationship with the other firms around Australia is okay. another beast. Yes. Um, because Imagine. whilst yeah, we, we knew people, we've been to conferences and done those things to sit in a, an executive meeting each quarter with the rest of the managing partners from around Australia teaches you a lot more and yeah. uh, many things you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a learning curve basically about how the firm works at that level. Yeah. And you've just come back from a trip or a, a month ago, was a that couple. a couple? Yeah, a couple of trips. <laughs> Tell me about them. So we had, uh, there's a global gathering every yeah. year for PKF. Uh, this year it was in Porto in Portugal. And um, so the wife and I decided that we should have a bit of a holiday around Europe yep. and, uh, before that. So we had nearly a month away and we're only back for a couple of weeks and we had our, what we call Meet the Cousins, which is our national conference okay. that hasn't been held for a few years yeah, uh, in course. Adelaide. And um, when we have one of those, um, we tend to put our national executive meeting on the same week. So that was a week away there. And uh, so now we're back for a bit of a run into Christmas to yeah. <laughs> Keep things on a bit of an even keel, Excellent. but but that those meetings with the people around the world and around Australia are just fascinating. Yeah, the, the, you know the great things we do, the the different problems they face, um, the 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 different people there are. It's just brilliant. So from um from a a firm perspective, what does PKF Sydney look like now, and what do you see are the challenges? for PKF Sydney in the next 12 to 18 months? So now we have around 130 people 
in our office. We have audit, we have business advisory, we have forensic, we have tax, we have digital, we have insolvency, we have corporate finance. So it's a very well spread multidisciplinary yes. firm um, and a, a great variety of thinking in the firm. So we're very well placed to take on all sorts of assignments uh, at all levels. That gives us a springboard to grow. So obviously we don't go anywhere if we don't grow. Um, one of the big themes of our practice and of PKF globally is succession planning, bringing the, the next generation through and the next generation after that. So we spend a lot of time on being very specific about each unit and what their succession plan is, who's coming through, how are they going to be brought, brought through. We see horror stories of partners hanging on too long and then wanting silly amounts to be bought out. Um, we see firms collapsing, we see all sorts of things. So yeah. we are really looking to ensure that that next generation has a structure where they know they can come in, they know the senior people will move on and that there is that opportunity just to keep building to freshen thought. And the next great opportunity, we have a data analytics team and they are very, very smart and the work they currently do um, is related to a few certain um, divisions, I suppose, a few certain um, types of work we have. Yep. That's something that's got to expand and that's yeah, something okay. that will help us. Plus our digital offering, um, we got a relationship with a firm um, who basically was a NetSuite reseller, but they have access to a whole lot of technology. Nationally, we want to make that our, our home of all the different technologies we have, but leveraging the technology to one, make us be able to do our work better, quicker, yes, more accurately, provide more, and then to be able to offer those services to our clients is really going to be a focus for our growth. Yeah, it, it seems to be a common challenge that particularly the larger mid-tiers face is that utilising and leveraging, leveraging technology to be more efficient, to be better, to d deliver more accurately and more, you know, yeah. It is, and you know we we can't be the big four, and we don't want to be the big four. Yeah. Um, but uh, we do need to be able to compete at, at a certain level. Yeah. Um, and and from your perspective, Bob, obviously in these ec economic times, where do you see the economy going in the next 12, 18 months? Because you know it's fair to say that this last sort of twelve months has been challenging for a lot of people. There's a lot of smarter than people than me that don't have any idea where it's going. Again, <laughs> <laughs> that's a common thing. I think the uh, what we do know is going to be challenging. Um, the the cost of living pressures are biting hard. Yeah. The governments need to be able to look after those people. The housing crisis is just ridiculous, but uh, it's obviously something that's come over decades. Hmm. There's a lot to fix in the country apart from the challenges we have from what I think will be continued reasonably high interest rates, yeah. inflation still hanging around. It's a bit hard to see it being knocked down in the short term. Mm. So those pressures are going to be around for a while. Our insolvency team is busier than it has been for some time. Yes. Um, obviously, part of that's coming out of COVID when insolvency has basically stopped um, and there's a bit of a catch-up going on there. But there are a lot of businesses struggling out there. And also the, the fact that we have some businesses adopting technology and being able to work some harder um, and others aren't yep. means there's going to be a bit of a bit of a change of the guard, I suppose, over time. So many things are in our favour. We've still got great industry. We've still got a lot happening in the country. We're not going to 
fall in a big hole. Yeah. But it's going to be challenging times for many. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you for that. So, um, look, I'll begin to, to, to wrap up now, uh, with, a, with a couple of questions that I always ask of, of, of guests. When you look back on your career to date, what are you most proud of? The people I've brought through. Yep. Good answer. Yeah, it's such a, uh, a great feeling to, to see people that, you know, started with you and, yep. and, um, you know, uh, may have left the firm, uh, gone on to other things, but uh, you, you'll meet them and they'll talk about the times, you know, that, you know, what I taught them. I said, did, did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> and what I learned off them. Yeah, but, okay. uh, yeah, to be able to bring other people through and see them succeed is fantastic. And what is the best piece of advice you can give an, an aspiring partner? I had a fellow say to me once, a fellow named Paul Newman, funny enough, <laughs> who owned coal mines, <laughs> and he said to me, young Robert, never forget that the only reason you sit in this nice city office is because some bastard's down a coal mine. <laughs> <laughs> and no matter what level you get to in life or in the firm, that advice remains. Yeah, wow. Well. Keep your feet on the ground. Yeah. Keep very um, thankful for the opportunities you've been given yeah. and make the most of them. Yeah. And and what about partners in terms of, you know, senior partners that are looking up and going, right, how do I become a managing partner? What's the best piece of advice you can give to them? Most of them go, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I, I've heard that too. <laughs> I've heard that too. Uh, but, but to do it, want to do it, I think it's the first thing. Yeah. And then realise it's a different role. Yes. Realise yeah. you have to break away from the things you've done and really take on Put up with a lot of views you don't want to hear, um, but listen to them carefully because there might be a lot of good in them. Fantastic. Bob, thanks so much for today. I really appreciate it. I think you've given a really good insight into your career. And I think anyone that's listening to this that's either, you know, looking at being a partner, whether that's through promotion internally or even going out on their own, because you've done that a few times, will really appreciate the the advice and, and what we've spoken about today. And obviously any sort of senior partners are looking for managing partner um might give them a bit of food for thought whether they want to do it or not but <laughs> very happy to chat to them <laughs> yeah absolutely no thanks bob i really appreciate your time thank you very much cool thanks for listening to the path to partnership podcast if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe follow the show for future episodes and leaving a review helps others find the podcast visit signatureconsulting.com.au to find out more about us